Uh, tonight we're going to be continuing in our series of miracles, our miracle series, and and mine, uh, the title of mine, as you can see, it comes from Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20, is Jesus casts out a legion of demons. And I want to read that, uh, starting uh, verse 1 of Mark 5, going through verse 20. It says, They came to the other side of the sea, into the country of Gerasenes. When he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And he had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken into pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gnashing, gashing himself with stones. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him and shouting with a loud voice, he said, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you, by God, do not torment me. For he had been saying, saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, What is your name? And he said to him, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain. The demons implored him, saying, Send us into the swine so that we may enter them. Jesus gave them permission, and coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine, and the herd rushed down a steep bank into the sea. About 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. Their herdsmen ran away and reported it in the city and in the country. And the people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed, sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind, the very man who had the legion, and they became frightened. Those who had seen it described to them how it happened and, uh, to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine, and they began to implore him to leave their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him. And he did not let him, but he said to him, Go to your people, go home to your people, and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you, and how he had mercy on you. And when he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him, and everything and everyone was amazed. The scene here is an incredible scene, I believe. Jesus and his disciples, they're crossing the Sea of Galilee and uh, if you go back a little bit earlier in, in chapter 4, and Jesus was asleep in the boat when a storm blew up. It blows up, and with just words, Jesus calmed the storm. And so now Jesus, they've made it to the shore, and Jesus has stepped off the boat, and it says here that there was a man who has an unclean spirit who is demon-possessed and who has been living in the tombs and comes running to Jesus and toward the disciples and I don't know about you, but if a demon-possessed man came uh, uh, running toward me, I'd be scared. And, and the text tells us something really interesting about this man. It says in verse 3 that he lived among the tombs. It's not like graveyards that we have here. To think more of caves and rock, wall, rock walls. And it says no one could bind him anymore. And I like that word anymore because they have bound him before. And they've been trying since, and they've been trying to help this man, and they've been trying to bind him, but it didn't work. It didn't work anymore, even with chains. Verse 4 said, For he had been bound with shackles and chains, 
but wrenched the chains apart and broke the shackles into pieces. And verse 5 tells us why they're trying to do that. It says, night and day among the tombs and mountains, he's crying out and cutting himself with stones. And the very last sentence of verse 4 says, no one had the strength to subdue him. No one could do anything. There's no helping him. I hope you see the hopelessness of this situation that this man is in. He's living in the tombs and he's running around in the hills. He's constantly screaming and he's constantly cutting himself with stones. And now Jesus steps out of the boat and this man comes running to him. And it tells us there in verse 6, seeing Jesus from a distance, says he ran up and bowed down before him and shouting with a loud voice, he said, what business do we have with each other, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God, do not, tor do not torment me. You know, running to him, he falls down and he says, what are you doing? Don't torment me, I, I beg you. Why does he say that? And notice the first line in verse 8 where Jesus is saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Jesus just steps out of the boat and starts saying, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And the man comes running and he falls down and begs Jesus not to torment him. But notice this man's confession. He says, Jesus, son of the most high God. And this now begins a little bit of discussion. Verse 9. Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he said to him, my name is Legion, for we are many. And that's another scary response. It would be to me, I mean, there are all kinds of demons in this man. And we're talking about thousands. There's a reason why he's so extremely powerful and why no one can help him and why he can't be bound. He's screaming and cutting himself. Notice what happens in verse 10. It says, and he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Verse 11, now there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain. The demons implored him, saying, send us into the swine so that we may enter them. And notice verse 13, it says, Jesus gave them permission. It's an incredible display of power of Jesus. Nobody can subdue this man. Nobody can help him. Nobody can bind him. Nobody can rescue him. He has extreme power. And no sooner than Jesus steps out of the boat, here he comes, and all that Jesus has to do is say, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. So he gave him permission. In verse 13, Jesus gave them permission, and coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine, and the herd rushed down a steep bank and into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. It's amazing what you see with Jesus, you know, regardless of what he faces, even thousands of demons, you don't even see Jesus even breaking a sweat. He doesn't turn uh, to the 12 and say, okay, y'all, this is going to be a tough one. This is a strong one here. He doesn't say that. You know, Jesus is unfazed. Jesus just tells the spirits to come out. That's all he has to do. That's the power that's on display with Jesus here at this scene. Nobody can do anything in the face of this evil, but Jesus can. Nobody has the power to rescue this man. Jesus has the power that nobody else has. Now the point of this story in Mark is not for us to simply back, sit back and go, wow, that's an incredible story of Jesus' power. 
But notice what Mark wants us to catch here in verse 14. It says, Their herdsmen ran away and reported it in the city and in the country, and the people came to see what it was that had happened. The news is spreading throughout the area. This man, who we could not help, and who broke through shackles and chains, who lived among the tombs, screaming and cutting himself. Jesus has fixed all this. And now people are coming to see him. They're coming to him. They came to Jesus, verse 15, they came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed, sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind, the very man who had the legion, and they became frightened. They were afraid. I want to look at that for a minute because this is, I'm going to say it's a theme uh, that Mark highlights in the gospel because it, it, if you remember in the prior scene where uh, Jesus silences the storm with just his words and the response of the disciples is fear. The response of the, of the disciples was fear. These were followers of Jesus. Fear, it just seems to be linked with faith. When you understand who Jesus is, and you come into his presence and understand who he is, you can have faith because you understand the power that Jesus has and you're going to follow him. And Mark is setting us up again now. This just happened with the disciples in the very last account in chapter 4. And it happens again in verse 15 where they were afraid. Verse 16 says, Those who had seen it described it to them how it happened and the demon-possessed man and all about the swine. You know, just imagine this crowd that is gather, gathered and they're all talking about it. And you, they say, you won't believe what Jesus just did. And, and they were relaying the story. In verse 17, it says, and they began to implore him to leave their region. That's an interesting response. You would expect they would surely go, that they would go, surely this is the son of God. Surely this is the son of the most high. Even Legion acknowledged uh, that himself, you would think they'd say, please stay with us. They saw his great power, but their response was to beg him to leave. But you know, that's a, that's a common response. Their fear does not lead to faith. Instead, their fear leads to them begging Jesus to leave. When you think that, about that for a minute, what would you think Jesus' response to that would be? Uh, maybe you'd expect Jesus to teach them a sermon on hard-heartedness or maybe do another miracle, you know, if that miracle wasn't good enough. I'll just do another one so I can prove to you who I am. But notice verse 18, what Jesus does, and it says, as he was getting into the boat, Jesus starts getting back into the boat. He doesn't resist them. He gets back into the boat. He just gets back in. It's an incredible picture that God, I think, has displayed over and over again in the scriptures is that God is willing to leave you to your own condemned life. If you tell God, I don't want you in my life, he's not going to force you. If you tell God, please leave, he'll leave. And Paul talked about it that in Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 21. It says, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and in their foolish heart was darkened, 
professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the, cre the creature rather than the creator. God gave them up to the lusts of their heart. If people want to follow their own path in this life, God will give you up to that path. He, he will let you. God is not going to stop you. If you tell God to leave, He will leave. If you tell Jesus to leave, that's exactly what He'll do. He will leave you in your darkness. In Romans Apostle Paul states three times that God gave them up. That we just read verse 24, 26, and 28. But know this, it says in Romans 1.18, it says the wrath of God has been revealed against this response. This decision shows that we are worthy of judgment. Read that in Romans 1.32. You can push Jesus away and know that your condemnation, it is certain. It's a terrifying thing to think that the Lord can come to you in this life and in this region and see, as, as you see in this scene, the Son of God who has come to rescue and He has come to, to heal and has rescued this man from the power of thousands of demons. And their response is, I don't want any part of that. I like my life the way it is. And you know what? God will honor that request. To see Jesus getting back in the boat should be something that's absolutely terrifying to us when we make a similar decision because he will get back he will get back into the boat the idea of eternal punishment and hell is not that god is sending people there it's that people are saying god leave me alone just leave us leave me and he gets back into the boat you know eternal life is being uh, is about being in the presence of god forever eternal punishment is about being forever removed from the presence of god but notice in verse 18 it says as he was getting into the boat the man who had been demon possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him you know that's interesting the man who was healed he has a not so common response he has a rare response he wants to follow jesus but jesus said no and we think, why would you not let him go with you? Verse 19 and 20, it says, Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Here's what I want you to do, Jesus says. I want you to stay here in Decapolis and I want and tell everybody what the Lord has done for you. Can you do that? And he did. And verse 20 is great. It says that everyone was amazed. You know, that begs a question. Can, can you tell people what the Lord has done for you and how he has shown mercy to you? You know, and that's all Jesus asked of this man. You want to follow me? You know, that's wonderful. Go tell everybody what the Lord has done for you. That was his mission, and that's our mission too. 
what we are seeing Jesus do here in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is showing who he is and what the kingdom of God is all about, and he has come to restore people. And this is one of the greatest uh, displays of, rest, of the restoration mission that Jesus is accomplishing. Here we see victory in Jesus, and here is this demon-possessed man, and the power in him is so great that no one can do anything to, to help him. No one can restrain him. No one can help him except one person. That's the image that Mark gives us, that there's a whole world of evil. There's a whole world of the lost, and there's only one person that can do anything about that. Jesus has the power and the ability to rescue and, and to save. You know, we live in such a climate of anger and hostility. The message that we need to be telling people is not our view of politics or whatever we think the solution is, uh, but the answer to all these issues is, is just one answer, and that's Jesus. That people would submit their lives to Jesus and to his power. We have far too many people who are saying, uh, leave me alone. I don't want him in my life. Leave me alone. Just go away. You know, we have two choices. We can tell him, please go away, or we can tell him, please let me follow there's going to be a day when we're all going to be held accountable. It won't be forever that we can tell the Lord to go away because one day we will all face Jesus. We'll all be accountable for whether we have chosen to follow him or we have chosen to send him away. It's such a warning to us. You know, we live in a time and in a culture that is pushing us to push the Lord out. And we see from this story that it's such an easy decision for us to tell the Lord to leave. We have two choices. Jesus has come to rescue you from evil. We can either tell him to please go away or we can tell him that we want to follow him and tell others what Jesus has done for us. Please do not tell Jesus to leave your life because if you tell him that, he will. He will get back on the boat but you will be held accountable on the day of judgment. Please tell Jesus to stay in your life and tell people what the Lord has done for you and how he has shown you mercy.